Ooh, it's been a roller coaster, honestly, this year. I feel like I haven't necessarily stuck to one thing. I feel like I've been trying new things for self-care and returning to them and forgetting them. And I don't know, just lots of shifts. But lately, um, and I guess the most consistent thing that's been helpful for me is having a morning routine. It's Nick and Nick, and this is Better Together, where we explore women's stories through life's major changes and transformations and the support they found along the way. All right, so we've been trying to ask our guests what they're looking at because we can see you and you can see us, but for everyone listening, give them a visual. What is it that you're looking at right now? Where are you talking to us from? I am tuning in from my bedroom. I live at home with my parents, so this is my little my little sanctuary. Um, I'm sitting in my beanbag chair, and then my bed is in front of me, which looks very cozy. Um, I have a nice mm. wreath above my bed that I bought when we bought our Christmas tree, which is very festive. But yeah, I'm just in my bedroom, and I've definitely curated a little safe space for me this past year since I've been in it so much. So it feels super cozy, and and I love it. I love that. And I want a beanbag chair. That sounds awesome. Would recommend to anyone who, who wants one. So Kate, I am new to this little trio that we formed. And <laughs> so can you and Nikki tell me how you guys got connected? I met Kate uh, in person for a very short amount of time. I started a new <laughs> position at UConn in March. And it was two weeks before the world changed forever. Uh, mm-hmm. And <laughs> I had met Kate while um, in training, basically, for the position. And she works as the alternative breaks coordinator. Uh, and I'll let her elaborate on what that entails and what that means and how she got into it. But I met um, her during those initial training weeks for me before <laughs> we all went virtual. And I'm so glad I did because I think there's there's something to be said for establishing friendships and relationships virtually, of course, but I'm glad that I got to meet her mm. in person first. But yeah, so I'll actually, mm. I'll let Kate share a little bit about her role and what she does. First, I want to say, when was your interview? Do you remember? Because that's technically the first time we met and that I remember it so vividly. I think I, I feel was like, like Nikki's like... getting the job. <laughs> it had to have been early February, I feel like. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, I remember reading your resume and like everything prepping, you know, for the interview and like oh being gosh. in the interview room with you. Um, and interviews anyway, in general, so interviews are just so nerve wracking. Oh my God. But yes, that yeah. interview, I remember I left and I just felt really good. Like everyone was so kind and the vibe in the office was so friendly and I knew that I wanted to be there. And of course you never know the other side of it when you're interviewing, but I knew that that was a space where I could really see myself fitting in. And of course, fast forward to today and I could not imagine working with anyone else. Our team is <laughs> so great. Uh, but yeah, I, I left that interview feeling, uh, very positive about that space, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's what I mean. I have, I have no insight into the actual process. Like, you know, the part that I was a part of was just more for like you to get to know us really. But I know that the few people I did talk with everyone, it was such a mutual, mutual feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And we're so lucky that you, you applied and joined us, but let's see. So yeah, I work as alt breaks coordinator, like you said, um, for UConn. Um, so it's the alternative break program is like service learning based. 
um, trips. So there's like a travel component, but the biggest part is both indirect and direct service, reflection, education, um, social justice, all of that are huge components of the program. So yeah, it's been great. I've been in this position since January, so not much longer than Nikki has been with us. Um, and I was a part of Alt Breaks as a undergrad student at UConn, so kind of was very familiar with it, um, which has helped significantly. But yeah, I love it. So hopefully I'm here till June yes. of 2021. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the trip that you went on that kind of sparked your interest in wanting to take on the coordinator role? Mm, I love that. So I led the community development trip to Costa Rica my senior year. So that was recently, 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, January 2019 was when I led that trip. Um, funny also that my sister led it when she was um, at UConn as well, but there is no connection there, but it was just funny that she said <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, she led it two years um, in a row, like three years before me, I guess. I'm not sure exactly, but so that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I went on an alt break my junior year, um, as a participant to, um, the Appalachia region of Virginia and kind of had just fell, fell in love with it. Um, knew my sister kept telling me to do it earlier and, you know, just cause she's my sister, I didn't listen to her. And so then once I did, I was like, yep, I need to get more involved in this. Um, just like there were so many important conversations and, and like moments of genuine community and reflection and meeting new people. Mm. Um, all of that, it was just so I don't know, something I hadn't really gotten in other parts of my college experience. So I applied to be a trip director, and then that's when I led the Costa Rica one. So it was a group of 12 students, myself and a staff member. Yeah, we helped build a classroom, um, a kindergarten classroom for the students there. And then there was like an educational component with some of the local students or, you know, kids in the community. Um, But yeah. Love that. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. And obviously things look a little different now as you're helping to guide your student staff in an alternative breaks program that isn't taking trips. How is that? Been? Oh, yeah. yeah. What is that then? It's been wild. Honestly, I got that question probably every day from people inside of all breaks and outside. Um, they're like, what the heck is an alt break? You can't travel. And I'm like, well, yeah, good question. Um, but truthfully, so there's eight quality components of an alt break that I'm not going to remember if I have to rattle them all off, but essentially <laughs> like travel isn't even one of them. Right. So that's kind of like, it's, it's glorified, you know, and that's kind of what brings people to the program, unfortunately. Um, but that's really not like the, the basis of it. It's, it's the reflection, the education, the pre-trip education that we do. Um, each trip typically has like eight meetings before they even go, um, to learn about the community and, um, you know, the challenges they're facing and, um, their needs and desires, um, mm-hmm. And the social justice components and understanding one's own identity and how that impacts how they show up to this work and all of that stuff. So um, we've been kind of trying to shift to a more advocacy education focus for this year virtually. And so we're doing virtual all breaks, which essentially is just like a weekend of it's kind of like a weekend conference, I guess you could say, like a service learning group. Um, you know, like on Zoom, they're going to have smaller groups probably than normal, but just a space for conversation, for learning um, about all these different social topics. Each trip kind of has its own focus. So there's some on healthcare, there's some on um, like urban poverty and education, um, the LGBTQ community, there's a whole range of them. And so, yeah, I think just viewing it as a space for more conversation 
especially this year. Like I think people are craving that. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remind the students that I work with that, like, if that's all we do, that's okay. Have space for conversation and learning and, you know, learning who's already doing this work, this important grassroots community work in the field, you know, like find organizations that are already doing this work and share about them and join them and explain, you know, how to get involved beyond this like virtual weekend. Yeah. I love Um, that. I love that. It's one so intentional. It's not something I knew before how intentional the education component is, but I also love that there's a perspective of like, we're not the saviors coming in for a weekend or a week to do this work. There are people who have been working very hard to try and make an impact in the community Mm -hmm. long before us and to highlight them. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. When we come in to work alongside them, we make sure, you know, that it's something that they truly need and want that would better, you know, their community and be sustainable for them rather than us just coming in and doing something that can't, you know, upkeep when we, when we leave. Yeah. Like we're here to help you for this one week. And then when we leave, good luck figuring it out on your own. That does almost more harm than good. So absolutely. So important. The neat thing I think is that we have really longstanding relationships with a lot of our community partners, Mm -hmm. like for Costa Rica, for example, I think we're in year nine maybe of working with that same community. Um, and some of our other ones um, are like eight, eight plus year partnerships as well. So I think that helps the having that relationship really, really helps. Mm-hmm. And you've talked a little bit about social justice, about educating yourself on maybe the privilege you're walking into a situation with. I will tell you, I did some light social media stalking to prep for this interview. <laughs> And I flipped some questions with Nikki, but I also got connected with you on Instagram. And I'm so glad I did Um, because I see you, social justice is at the forefront of a lot of what you're doing in your day to day and your conversation. So I want to hear from you. How do you challenge your own perspective and privilege in any situation? And then how do you like challenge others, particularly in a time where I think everyone is defensive and afraid of being called out? Mm. Mm. So true. Um, Well, I'm certainly still a work in progress on that. Um, But I think I was just thinking before this how I I more often than not at this current moment in time recognize my whiteness and what that means and all my other identities that is wrapped up in that as well. But like what my identity means for me, for others, for, you know, any given situation I'm in, any given conversation. And I know sometimes I'm I still just scratch the surface, um, but I think seeing that, that shift in myself, because, you know, maybe three to four years ago, I don't even think I knew what my whiteness meant. You know, like, Mm. I wasn't comfortable talking about it. I didn't even really know what that meant for myself or others. I wasn't taught to interrogate that or look at that or understand that. And so that switch has been huge, because even just being aware of my identity and what that brings to different situations is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly not enough, but it's, it's, um, it's just something that I've noticed is always in the back of my head where I don't think that used to be the case. Um, a couple of yeah. years ago. Um, I also think creating a community with um, other, it typically for me has been women, but just friends and family around me. Um, in this case, specifically, probably white, white, uh, my white friends, because I don't, you know, that's our burden to carry right now. But creating that community of people who aren't going to like coddle me and comfort me as I'm going through this and like maybe feeling all the feelings when I'm realizing I fell short or did something harmful because mm-hmm. all that's going to do is make me feel okay about it when that's just, that's not, that, that's not the time for, for those, um, 
feelings that I need a community of people who are going to hold me accountable and kind of walk through that with me and unpack it with me Mm -hmm. rather than make me feel okay about it. Um, Nikki is one of those (laughs) lovely humans for me. (laughs) Um, which I've been so grateful for. Um, and so when you ask the question about how do I kind of engage in conversation with other people around this, I think that's actually something I'm, I'm finding it so hard. Um, for me personally right now, I know we kind of need to meet people where they're at. And right now I'm talking about specifically other white folks who, you know, maybe aren't at the same part of the journey as I am or have different understanding or like experiences than me. And I struggle. I don't always know how to bridge that gap and meet them where they're at. Um, yeah, I mean, and I've even had similar thoughts as them too. And I also, you know, I'm not perfect either. So I still have a long way to go. And, but I truthfully, it's hard. Um, I try to just think about how I'd want to be called into that conversation and like mm. emulate that, but it's not easy. And I, any tips and pointers on that would be recommended, it would be helpful, but I, yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard. Something that comes to mind is that I feel like a lot of people use the excuse of like, oh, this issue is too big to solve or, mm. you know, I, as a human, one individual can't really make an impact. So why bother? Right. I'm just not even going to try or as a white person, I was born into, I was born white, right? Like I didn't choose that. So like, why is it my job to help, you know, dismantle the systems of oppression Mm -hmm. that are causing harm because I'm white, right? Like I've definitely had all those thoughts at some point in my life, but since not having those thoughts, I almost don't remember what it was like to have them. And so that makes it really hard for me to kind of go back there to meet someone at that point. Mm -hmm. Like I almost don't know how to do that. And that's not good because that is my responsibility and job to help do that. I think so. I can relate though. Like I definitely know based on where I'm at now and my own evolution and understanding my identity and my impact, I sometimes get frustrated specifically with the people closer to me than strangers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just try harder, just do better. This is like, kind of Mm -hmm. like get over yourself and like, you meet me where I'm at. That's not the response (laughs) to give people. (laughs) That doesn't work out well. Um, But I do find too, like a lot of times I tend to be, more compassionate with strangers Mm. than I am with the people I'm closest to in my circle and in my community. And that's always something I too am looking for pointers on. Like I have to tell myself like, Mm. no, be, you be better. You be nicer. You you try and kind of show them the perspective in a different way. I think it's, Mm. it's because we're probably careful about who we let into our circles and Mm. who we allow ourselves to get close with that when this topic comes up and when we start talking about black lives matter and police brutality, you know, to be Mm -hmm. specific that we just expect that because we've selected these people to be in our lives, we believe that they should be where we are in this social justice journey, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I definitely have had those moments of like, okay, pause for a second because maybe this was someone that I met in a completely different realm. You know, I I notice sometimes if if I didn't meet them in the education world, if you will, that they tend to maybe, I, I, I hate saying the word behind, but they tend to just be in a different place on this, you know, journey than I am. And so trying to put that into perspective of like, okay, well, I still chose them to be in my circle for a reason. And I know that I can still have this conversation with them. Although I would agree that they tend to be some of the most difficult conversations to have because they are in your inner circle. And so yeah. how you shape those conversations and how you bring up these heavy, heavy topics and ask people to get uncomfortable 
is so tough. I don't think that gets any easier. At least it hasn't for me. <laughs> Same. I feel like I feel like it never will. Mm-hmm. And I think we hold those people in our circle to both of your points, right? To a higher standard, almost like subconsciously, like like you said, that it's usually the yeah. people close to us that we're more frustrated with when they're not at a certain spot or aren't able to understand something. Yep. But maybe reminding ourselves of that, it would be helpful, right? We're all human figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find too, like now that I've switched. So um, previously I was in a higher education realm, which is all about like, let's talk about it. And so I, much talking, so much so processing, much so many feelings. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not have called myself a processor until I worked in higher education, mm-hmm. but then I switched to a corporate role um, and a corporate role in human resources. And so my job is to talk to people and I'm ready to confront everyone. I'm just a confrontational person. So I'm ready to have those uh, <laughs> conversation in the best way. Like, it's, yes, I think it's, it can be a positive experience, Oh, um, certainly. but I find myself, especially like in light of the recent election, I had to go into my office building for a project and I didn't know what to do. Like that space is not as open. That space is not as willing to process things. So I found myself like rehearsing lines going into the office for all five people that were there. Like, wow, what a year, right? Everyone like just what are my safest phrases? Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been very lucky on my team. I've been able to talk with several people and just kind of um, explore where they are at, like what injustices my black coworkers have been facing in a corporate Mm -hmm. setting, what their perspectives are. So for anyone listening, always be willing to have the conversation. I think it's probably the number one thing is just be open and willing. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Even though it seems scary, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would also like to kind of circle back because you mentioned Kate briefly that, you know, we, you and I have been on a team together and working with this. And so we, we've kind of referred to it as a working group and we've had a couple of guiding books or um, reflection opportunities where it's four or five of us um, have had a chance to either follow along with some journal prompts or read along in uh, a a couple chapters together um, on these issues. And I think the first one is 30 days and 30 ways to be a better ally. So I would highly recommend that. Uh, And uh, Me and White Supremacy is the book that we're currently working our way through. Uh, And Really, it sparked just because Kate was like, or Rinda, I think at first, uh, who also shout out to her podcast, Two Broads from Brooklyn. Ooh, uh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> she just kind of put it out there to a couple of folks, you know, I'm, I'm going to be following along on this 30 days and 30 ways to be a better ally journal uh, prompt. And if anyone wants to join me, feel free. And so we kind of just formulated our group and it was so great about biweekly. We would meet and chat about, uh, the different journal prompts and, uh, the reflections that it would have us do. And then we just didn't want to give it up. I think because we got so much out of it that, uh, Kate had then suggested we do it with the book, uh, me and white supremacy, which I would say is a little bit meatier, um, requires a little bit more time and, uh, but again, equal, equally as great when it comes to reflection and, um, then coming back to a team and talking through it and even challenging ourselves. I know there've been some questions and days where I'm like, I didn't have an answer for this one. And I know that that just means that there's probably more work for me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there were, there were things that I just felt like, oh, I've never done that. And surely as a white woman in today's world, I have, and I just haven't had a chance to sit in it long enough to, to really know what my response is. And so it does, Mm. it pushes you, but I think allowing yourself to not only just sit with that book and do it on your own, but finding someone bringing someone else into that journey with you is equally important because it's great for, for folks that want to do the work and learn about themselves and do that self reflection, but then what, you know, having that accountability partner Mm -hmm. or team takes it that extra step. And so I know that I've greatly appreciated that and it's held me accountable to the work. Right. Uh, so having that standing meeting, uh, definitely is that extra push I need to dedicate the time to the learning and the work. So I wanted to put that out as a suggestion and something that I've definitely appreciated in this, not, I mean, especially this year, but in this world that we're in, to continue pushing us and moving the needle just a little bit. Yeah, I love that. So let's shift gears a little bit uh, with all of this work and 2020 and social social justice advocacy. What does self-care look like for you? How are you taking care of your mental and emotional well-being uh, and then we'll kind of shift to a more physical wellness uh, piece of it. But how are you taking care of yourself with all of this on your plate? I love that question. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should all ask each other that more. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a roller coaster, honestly, this year. I feel like I haven't necessarily stuck to one thing. I feel like I've been trying new things for self-care mm-hmm. and returning to them and forgetting them. And I don't know, just lots of shifts, but lately, um, and I guess the most consistent thing that's been helpful for me is having a morning routine. Um, Mm. for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit with physical health wise, um, mornings have been really hard for me throughout the past few months, um, and getting up and me feeling like that's related to like my productivity and tying my work to that. Mm. And like needing to get up early to get my day started but I, I've noticed that when I don't have a morning routine and I kind of just get up and roll out of bed and go to work or you know, to the next room to work on my computer or <laughs> not actually going to work um, or, you know, just get up for the day and start my day. I like just I feel so frazzled. So um, lately, my morning routine is it's, honestly, it's kind of long and it's not probably the most sustainable once life <laughs> it maybe picks back up to a, a somewhat um, more in-person way. Um, but it's, I have like a little meditation corner in my room. So I kind of, I rearrange things so that I know that if I go into this corner, it's like my time for me. Um, I've been meditating and journaling every morning. Um, and you know, if I light a candle or burn some incense and kind of just like have some time to get comfortable with me and my own thoughts, um, you know, try to drink, make sure I drink a glass of water in the morning. And then I just, Mm -hmm. I just feel so much better for the day. But beyond that, I would say, I don't know, there's just little tidbits of things like taking baths or walking has been so huge, just getting some fresh air and moving my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I've not been doing any intense exercise or really any exercise at all besides walking and some yoga. So both yoga and walking have been a huge mental um, refresher for me and times when I need a break. Yeah. I, I actually want to jump back to your morning routine because this morning I was in a group text with Kate actually where she said, 
all this sounds great. I'll check back in later. I have to finish my morning routine. And I was like, there I was with like this child in my arms and just hoping for a shower. And I was like, there is something so wonderful and lovely that (laughs) that morning routine sounds fabulous and such a great way to set yourself up for success for the day and for, you know, a, a more productive morning. Uh, and I know, you know, Nicole and I have talked about this, but my one, one thing that makes me feel really good at this point is a shower. I feel like once I shower, I am in a better place to just manage the rest of my day. And so I loved hearing like you kind of pause and say, this is all great. And I will check back with you later, but I need to take care of me right now, which I think very few people have this ability to, prioritize themselves and their mental health and their need to set themselves up for the day because there's X, Y, and Z that has to get done. And, you know, well, I have to eat and I have to, you know, rush to this meeting and I have to do, you know, whatever. Um, but I just loved seeing and hearing you kind of prioritize that this morning. I think so important to, uh, to say that statement to a group. So a lot of times, like if I get that text, uh, you know, p- things are popping off in a group chat. I am like, okay, let me just focus on me and then I'll respond when I'm done. But because I'm not physically saying like, I'm taking a time out and I'll get back to mm-hmm. you then in my own me time or my own morning routine, which is not really a routine. We're working on it. Um, Project. you know, that's all that's like consuming my thoughts. It's like, I have to get back to that. I have to respond to that. So, uh, that's just mm. a really cool tip. I think for everyone is to say like, Hey, I see you and I hear you, but right now it's a, it's my time and I'm going to check back in later. So that's really cool. And it gives permission to the other people in the chat to do the same thing mm-hmm. to then say, Oh, wow, she's taking a beat. Maybe I should be and I can and I need to honor that within myself too. So, you know, you're, you're doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, but then you're also planting that seed and that reminder for your friends too of like, have you been doing yeah. something for yourself? The Have you been setting yourself no. up? Yeah. <laughs> That's just the truth of it. And I know, I know we're going to shift a little bit to physical health in a second, but I mean, we even have in that same group chat in the evenings, a stretching reminder sometimes mm-hmm. because I've had, you know, a lot of stuff flaring up post pregnancy, post birth and others too, just having these discomforts, these aches, these pains, whatever, and just knowing that my body needs a stretch or a rollout or whatever it is. And so just before bed, having that little friendly reminder from your friends to do a little stretch is, it goes a long, long way because even if you're thinking about it, like I should probably do that. It's kind of like that permission to, yeah, take that five, 10 minutes and take care of you, girlfriend. Like, don't forget that you are a priority today before you go to bed. So I want to do to recognize that even something so small as a text reminder goes a long way with stuff like that. I think another component of it is also to remember like, you know, that what works for someone might not work for someone else. Mm. And so like, you know, me saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, you know, I'll check back in. I'm finishing my routine. Like maybe a morning routine doesn't look like your morning routine might not look like my morning routine or your mm-hmm. moments of taking a break and, and just taking a breather will look different. Like you have a kid and lots of other different <laughs> responsibilities. Like maybe you can't take an, you probably can't take an hour to just like journal and meditate. Right. But like not comparing ourselves and what we need to what other people need, I think mm. is so, so important. Cause I mean, I still find myself in that often or like feeling bad about saying like, I just slept 10 hours last night. Cause like Nikki, I know you can't like you have a child <laughs> that wakes you up, but like remembering that there's that's, no like, judgment. 
Right. And I know that I know you're not judging me, but it's hard because I'm like, oh, like I know she can't do that. Like, that's not fair. But it's like, it's not about that. It's about like, this is what my body needs at this point in my mm-hmm. life. And there's ways that we can help each other find what works for them and their yeah. life in that moment. Sometimes I get stuck um, Googling like the best morning routine or the best nighttime <laughs> routine to set myself up for success. So that's so important because all that stuff is all over Pinterest and it's stuff that yeah, wasn't. Mm-hmm fitting into my life and into my dynamic and my schedule. Um, so I think that's such an important note to say like, okay, meditation and journaling works for me and my current situation. It might not work for you in a year. And so you might yeah. adjust. Um, and I do want to do a quick shout out to this app that I downloaded called High Future Self. And it is Ooh. a texting app and you can set up future reminders for yourself I mean, it comes through like a notification. And so it's been really cool because it's, I'm specifically using it right now to remember to drink water all throughout the day. I love that. So high future self, it's free. It's really easy to use. Wow. Uh, But something very helpful for those like everyday reminders to prioritize yourself. That's great. I love that tip. Mm -hmm. I will even say, so my husband was out running some errands this morning and it's always great because he does a lot of the stuff outside of the house, you know, in and out of places because with a baby, obviously in COVID, we're trying to limit where we take him. So very thankful for that. But then that typically means that it's just me in the house with the baby for a couple hours or several hours. And so I, as silly as it sounds, prioritize my Duncan runs. And I just recognize that getting in the car and going somewhere that Mm -hmm. is just for me and doing a little treat in the day or in the morning to get my coffee and come back home. It just, it puts me in a better mood and I can't explain it, but it just makes me happy. And I was even chatting about this in a staff meeting this week where we were talking about third places. And so you have your home, which is your one place and you have your work, which these days those are kind of blurred for many of us, but Mm -hmm. you have your workplace. And then what's a third space where you feel like you can really just be yourself and be you and for me at this stage it's my car (laughs) it's my car because I feel like I can go in my car I can either listen to music or I can have Mm. it be silent I can go I've had therapy virtual therapy in my car Mm. I've gone to Duncan in my car and it's just this place where I can just be almost in my little bubble and just you can control what's happening too. Yeah. And no one's yeah. bothering me and no one's ta- and you know no one's talking to me, no one's touching me, no one needs me and it's just a place mm. for me to go. So I'm as simple and as small as it sounds that, you know, third space or that opportunity to just go and get a little treat for myself, it is necessary. So it might not be an hour routine, it might just be a quick 10-minute drive down the street, but it is yeah. everything to me some days. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. And I think that's so cool that like the car is right now your space because I don't know, I think of that and I'm like sometimes I even just like I like I love driving and so sometimes that's like a good escape, but like even if you just need a minute, like you could always just go sit in your car in the driveway. Like there's no expectations yeah. around it. Like you don't have to drive. You could just like yeah. have that as your little sacred space and mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. There's yeah. another app that's out there um, called, my therapist just recommended it to me. And Dorinda. It's Dorinda, shout out to Dorinda, who will also, <laughs> she'll challenge me, um, like we were talking about, those days that were busiest and prioritizing mm-hmm. yourself. So for me, mm-hmm. those tend to be Wednesdays 
Um, it's when I have the most video meetings, the most work group meetings, the most things to go wrong seem to happen on Wednesdays. And I had said to her in a session, well, like tomorrow, I'm not going to work out because it's Wednesday and it's going to be just too hectic. And she's like, cool. So why don't you care about yourself then? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, a wow. Challenge. Yeah. She's like, Truth, she's though. brutal. <sighs> um, but in the best mm. of ways, it's the best reminder that like, no, on your busiest days is when you need to be prioritizing yourself the most. Yeah. Um, you don't let something else really take up priority. And then you're almost looking forward to that being your priority every week um, mm. if it's on routine. But she recommended Sanbello, which is S-A-N-V-E-L-L-O. I can spell. Mm. Pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> but Sanbello, it's been, uh, for me, like a digital journal and check-in. And it's pretty cool. Mm. Also free. So we love that. Um, mm, yeah. But you can set up reminders in San Bello to notify you randomly, uh, which I appreciate. So it notifies me randomly through the afternoon, like, Hey, how are you today? And you Mm. can record your mood. You can record what's going on. You can do a meditation. You can do like a, a sleep story kind of thing, whatever you need in that moment. But it's been really helpful because if I know like some app is going to notify me every day at 9am, I'm going to start to ignore it. Right. Eventually it just becomes background. But this one comes in and reminds me to like check in to say like, Hey, what's going on? What are you feeling? That's Mm -hmm. been really cool too Mm -hmm. to have. Mm -hmm. Not, not sponsored, but could be future me. And what is it? San Vela. Um, this Mm -hmm. makes me think of 2020 this year. I think I've taken a big, um, shift in terms of like what self-care means. Right. I think maybe Mm -hmm. we all have, but I feel like I've been noticing it. And even in our conversation, which, it's all been great, but like naturally we're all, I think talking about things that like physical acts that we do right to like mm. give ourselves a break mm-hmm. or like nourish ourselves, which is so important. And I don't want to belittle that, but it also makes me think that I, that we need to change the definition to be a bit more of like, how can we set up our life in a way that allows us to not need so many breaks or like mm. refreshers? I don't mean like in the day to day, but just like, you know, sometimes I feel like we get burnt out all to a point where we're like, Oh, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Like how do we set up our life to honor our boundaries and our needs and our preferences in a way that like is continuous and active. Mm. You know what I mean? Which, um, Nicole, when you said the, um, prioritizing your workout, like for you on your busiest days, like, right. That's a form of that. Like how can we honor our boundaries so that we're not burning out and we're prioritizing ourselves like all the time, not just in our crazy busy moments. I don't know. That's been a shift. Like in therapy, my, my therapist very has been reminding me like to say no to things. I don't say no. I don't say no. I, I never have. And I've learned that and it's tied to a lot of different things. Right. But like, instead of making yes, my default, like no is my default. Now I say no Mm. to things. And then when I realize I have time for them, then I'll go back and say, yes. Mm. I mean, I don't do that fully, but I'm trying. saying no. Oh yeah. 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 Same. Mm Mm-hmm. And today you shared, uh, hi, it's me, your Instagram stalker. You shared a quote from Brown, though, and it was so great because it talked about just what you said. Uh, we are a society that sees exhaustion as a status symbol. And we see exhaustion mm. as, you know, oh, look at us. We're so busy. We're running around. We have no time in the day. And we need to flip that. We need to build a life that doesn't make us so tired. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. So I thought that was really mm. impactful for me today. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. I, of course, that's the goal. 
If I learn something, I share it. <laughs> yeah. I even feel as someone who's trying to juggle a million things, it feels like at one time that people are like, oh my gosh, you're doing so great. Or I'm proud of you. Or you really are, you know, like, look at you're doing your work for employment work. You're doing work from home. You're doing mom life. You're, you know, and it's listing off all these things. And it's like, right. But at what cost? Because I also feel mm. like I have been <laughs> run over by a truck yeah. at the end of every day. And so it's like, yeah, from the outside, people are probably like, oh, wow, yeah, she's doing a lot. That's cool. But should mm. I have to be maintaining all of those things and have all of those balls up in the air for someone to recognize that, you know, someone's doing a great job? Ideally, no. Mm. Ideally, just yeah. one of those things would be enough for someone to recognize that yeah. you're doing good work. And so mm. that speaks to me as well. So yeah. True. Normalize saying like, great job, just when you're not at the point of exhaustion, just yeah. along the way. Yeah. So true. That's a good reminder. And also noticing when your own internal narrative like doesn't match like the mm. quote unquote like praise you may be getting from other people. Like maybe mm. that's a good point to check in and be like, am I being too hard on myself or am I truly just like they're not seeing what I'm feeling? You know, like, I don't know. There's some disconnect there that it's like, what can I how can I honor myself better regardless of what people are saying? Yeah, that's huge. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about physical wellness, because I know it's been a journey for you, um, at least since I've known you, which has been now almost a year. (laughs) Um, Mm. what, what changes you've undergone, what you've found out about yourself and ways that you're trying to maintain your physical well-being. Yeah. I would love to touch on that. So for me, my health journey kind of started back in 2017. I started having some digestive issues um during college you know I was drinking a lot wasn't eating the most healthy foods although I would say I was I was doing pretty good for being in college like cooking myself and um being intentional about what I put in my body but you know there is just like a lot a lot of stress going on at the time which is heavily you know correlated with digestive issues and so um I started kind of seeing a million doctors at that point and you know was searching for answers eventually uh found out that I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which then I found out later I was misdiagnosed with that. So Mm. in the end, I was officially diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, which is very common. A lot of people have it. A lot of people know about it. Um, And then this this year was another big year for me with health. The IBS is still something that I haven't quite um, figured out, I would say. And I'm still, uh, I still feel the effects of it every single day. Um, and then I found out that I had Lyme disease earlier in May of 2020. Um, and then I also found out that I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, this past October. So that essentially is a hormonal endocrine disorder. So my hormones are out of balance and out of whack, and that kind of manifests in my ovaries. So it's not necessarily like a um, reproductive illness or disease, but it manifests in those organs, um, Mm. and that part of my body. So that sounds like there's been test after test after test and then retest and a lot of uh, visits to different doctors. And so how did you, how did you navigate that? How I'm, I would imagine that it was a very frustrating process, uh, especially a misdiagnosis. And so how did you manage that and how long did that go on? 
So the digestive issues alone have been a constant, um, a constant, like, you know, learning and discovery for about three years now, really since it started. Um, I feel like I still haven't gotten a grasp, um, on it, but truthfully, I've learned a lot along the way. And the misdiagnosis was a big bump in the road. It kind of, it frustrated me because then I was seeking out a, new, a dietitian and, and other doctors that could help me with, with SIBO. And then I found out I didn't have that. And I'm like, I felt like all the work I had done to that point, you know, went to waste, which it didn't. I think there were still valuable things that I learned from, you know, attempting to treat that with, with diet and with other, um, you know, alternative therapies and things, but it felt in the moment, like what was, this right. was a waste, like the past right. year has been, has been a waste, but, but yeah, truthfully, I can't even count the amount of tests I've, I've taken, um, I was tested for so many different things. I've seen so many different doctors and, and truthfully, I think that experience in itself, like aside from the actual pain and um, symptoms I feel, which are obviously not, not great, um, is the hardest part. Like I, I know I can heal at the end of the day. So that's a long process. But like, I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I think navigating the tunnel, finding the right doctors, finding the right support along the way, finding which foods, you know, nourish my body in, in a way that that feels good for me, finding a doctor that's going to treat the root cause and not just kind of mask, you know, give me something to mask the symptoms or, you know, kind of like a bandaid effect. Like that's what's exhausting. And that's what I think feels hopeless for me at times. Um, I've, I've left so many doctor's offices feeling so belittled or ignored, um, or just made to feel like the symptoms I was experiencing weren't real. And that. <laughs> in itself is just, um, not a fun, not a fun process. And it's, it's hard. So I think it, it just reminds me of how much our society and specifically our healthcare realm, like ignores and dismisses women and women's bodies. Um, it's super, super common. And so I just, I thought so much about how if I, as a white woman steeped in all the privileges that I have, I'm struggling so hard to navigate this healthcare system that we have and to find answers and to heal myself how are others that like, you know, are left at the margins, like, and, and the others that fall through the cracks, like how are, how are those people navigating this if I am struggling to do so? Mm -hmm. um, that just like has been blaringly obvious to me, you know, throughout these past couple of years. And it's, it's sad. And it's so, it's, it's just so not okay. Like we, the system is designed to benefit me at the expense of others, right? Me and other white men specifically, right? Like, so if, you know, black indigenous women of color, like how are they able to, to navigate this? I mm -hmm. cannot even fathom, you know, how can the LGBTQ community navigate our healthcare system when, when our world doesn't even believe that they have certain rights, you know, human rights. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know the answers, but it's just made me so much more aware of that. And so, um, I don't know it. <laughs> Our system, to me at least, and in my experience, I can't speak for others, but it, it strips us of our power and our, auto our autonomy. Like, we are taught that doctors are experts in our bodies, and I think that is the farthest thing from the truth. I think mm -hmm. they're an expert in, in healthcare. They're an expert in the human body. They're, they went to school for this. They studied. They worked hard, and they are absolutely experts, but, like, I'm the only one who lives in my body. I'm the only one who feels what's, you know, what I'm feeling. 
um, we all have different baselines and different like tolerances and different normals, you know, whatever that means for us. And so when we leave an office, a doctor's office, you know, and, and we're ignored or whatever it may be, we, we lose our power. Like we lose our power to decide what's right, for, what's right for us and to make choices for our bodies and our health and our families. And I don't know. So I just, I hope that anyone listening who is potentially going through anything like this or navigating their own health issues that they can, I don't know, find someone in your corner that believes in you and, and trusts what you're saying so that you, you know, you can kind of reclaim that power that I think we're so often lost that we lose, you know, in our, in our system. Yeah. I mean, wow. You, you said so many things that need to be said, need to be shared, need to be spoken about for the end of time. I think you brought up so many great points that again, I think we, we need to integrate into more everyday conversation. And we, the, you know, as women, we need to talk about our experiences so that it, is something that comes up less and less. And it's an experience, you know, that feeling of being dismissed and not being heard and not recognizing that we are the experts of our own bodies. Uh, I think owning that and really sharing that needs to be much more common than it is. Um, But you did kind of allude to this idea that when we go into these offices or when we're going to see these specialists, they're, they're quick to diagnose or they're, listening but only with half an ear and so they're like okay you're x y and z and they check things off and they give you this diagnosis and then you're you know you're out of the office they're on to their next patient and so i would imagine that you probably experienced a little bit of that yourself of just kind of okay we'll put you in this box and you'll be you know on with your day so i don't know if if you did or i'm just assuming here but no that's a great um a great comment and question i think um, I mean, we do it, we all do that, right? Like we all put people into boxes based off labels that our society or ourselves assign to people, right? Like for everything, um, race, gender expression and identity and sexual orientation and ethnicity and where people live, like we do it with everything, but it happens in the doctor's offices too. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's a difference between me saying, oh, I, I have IBS and PCOS and Lyme versus me sharing the ways in which those three things actually show up in my life and in my body. And, you know, I'm not going to go into detail about them right now, but what I will say is that there are days when it's very debilitating and I can't Mm. do things that I, that I, for me would be something I could normally do. Um, and so it's, it's just dangerous when we put people into labels and into boxes because of labels rather, because then they're stuck, right? Like, I often feel like I'm, how do I say this? Like, I I almost feel like my identity is tied to these these illnesses Mm. sometimes. And that's Mm -hmm. been something I'm really, really working hard on this year to kind of like detach myself. And that's something I I do, you know, to myself, but also that society kind of obviously plays a part in. But I'm trying hard to like separate myself from these things that my body experiences because I am not. IBS. I am not Lyme. I am not PCOS, right? Like my body is experiencing them, but they're very, they're not me. And so, you know, that's one thing that that makes me think of. But the other thing that just having chronic illness and pain has made me realize is it it makes me realize that I, it makes me realize when I put other people into boxes for a myriad of things. And so I just think it's made me much more aware of that because I get comments all the time, like, oh, you have Lyme disease. You must, you must be feeling like this, or, you know, Mm. you should do this treatment. 
or you should see this factor. And, and while I know those comments come from a really genuine, like great place from the person sharing them with me, it's, it's on the receiving end. It's really hard because it's exhausting. It's like, yep. Another person sharing with me a million things that I Mm -hmm. wasn't really ready to hear right now. Like I'm, I'm both appreciative and like exhausted when that, when those things happen. And so it's just, I don't know, for, for someone who's going through chronic pain and listening to this, I'm, I'm right there with you and I feel you and I see you, but for people who aren't like, it's, it's just, I know it's hard to imagine how it feels. And so I guess this could just be a good reminder to, to check those assumptions. You know, when you, when you hear if someone has, has cancer or has any, any health issue, it's like, Mm. The way they're experiencing it could be so, so different from the way someone else with the same exact illness could be experiencing it. So, yes, um, I don't know. It's a good reminder for all of us, for myself included. But Yeah, I think everyone going through any experience, say buying a house, you know, we just yeah. talked with Allie last week about that. And my experience buying a house is going to be very different than hers. And there will be some overlapping experiences, of course, mm-hmm. like them taking all of that money out of your bank account. <clears throat> uh, it hurts. <laughs> That's a mutually shared experience. But yep. the the overall experience is going to have its own unique you know, moments. And so I think even when you look at health, it's a thousand times more individual. And so while a diagnosis may be the same, those individual feelings and what you are actually going through is so individualized. And so I think as with anything we understand people come from a good place and they want to pass on all the information, all the knowledge and all the advice that they have. But sometimes it's just better to be a listening ear and be there. However, that person needs you to be. And oftentimes it's not by shoving advice down their throat. Yeah. And honestly, I do that to people and I've, I've, since experiencing this myself, I've checked myself and been like, wow, I'm so, so sorry to mm, people have done that have. too. Yeah. We and so have. now, now I think the best approach for anyone who's like, oh, well then what do I do? It's just to ask, to ask if someone mm. who's experiencing this is ready to like, you know, wants some resources or advice or, you know, just ask and they can then choose if they want to let that information in or not. Mm. Um, you know, that's always a good rule of thumb, but yeah. So I guess to bring us home on this physical wellness piece, what is the light at the end of the tunnel for you? It, you obviously have been through it. Many doctors, visits, boxes, all of it. And so what does the future look like for you? I know on a personal note, this has kind of shaped your uh, you know, personal passion and career path moving forward. And so from a health perspective and then from your career goals and aspirations can you kind of talk to us what about what the the future holds so i the day that changed everything for me was the day that i saw a naturopathic physician um for myself like i was seeking out care because i wasn't really finding the answers like we talked about earlier with all the doctors that i had and and those were primarily in western medicine and so i saw a naturopathic doctor and my first appointment with her was an hour and a half and i have never one, I've never spent so much time with a doctor or, you know, healthcare professional for that long because obviously there's all these insurance, you know, restrictions and, and all of these time limits on our appointments. But I also felt so seen and heard and validated for the first time, like in a doctor's office. And, um, you know, truthfully, that day didn't really do much. Like it didn't heal me. You know, I still have all those health issues that I, I went to her mm-hmm. with that first day. It didn't do, didn't do much physically for me, but it, 
it did restore hope for the first time in a really long time. And that, that was transformative. Like I left with a plan and that plan has changed about a thousand times since that day. But having some sort of plan and having a better understanding of how my body works and what was going on and really just sitting with, with a doctor and going through my, my past and my family's medical history and my own and, and what it means for me was just so transformative. And so Mm. that sparked uh, my career for me. So I, uh, you know, obsessively researched what naturopathic medicine is and what it's based off of. And it's just a, a more holistic approach. And um, so that kind of sealed, sealed the deal. I, I started yeah. researching schools and I applied um, last fall, I guess. And I got into the National University of Natural Medicine out in Portland, Oregon for um, the naturopathic doctorate program and the master's of science and global health program. Um, so I'm starting next fall, the fall of 2021. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I want to be able to recreate that experience for my future patients and clients, like a space mm-hmm. where they can, where they can come and feel validated and bring their full selves and, and, and not, not feel like their power and knowing is, is being stripped from them, you know, where we can talk about their access and their financial situation and and what's actually feasible for them to do. Right. I think doctors often just say like, Oh, you know, eat this exercise every day and get more sleep and, you know, X, Y, Z, do this, do this. And that's not, that's not always feasible for everyone. Like people have different lifestyles and different life home situations and, and different, you know, people can't afford certain medications or, um, you know, not everyone can go to acupuncture or, go to the gym and afford a gym membership. It's like, there's so many things at stake and at play here that I just hope to create a space that's way more accessible for people and also, um, just real <laughs> for people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something like I wholeheartedly believe in. I think it's so important to look outside of like traditional Western medicine. Yeah. So I think I, I have hope I'm still working on my own health issues and journey, um, along the way, but I'm really excited that this is the field I'm going into. I hope that I will be a more empathetic and intuitive doctor as a result of all these health issues. Mm. Like I know it's hard at times, but I know these things are happening, um, for me and not to me. And I think, um, remembering that is, is really, really crucial to my path. Well, I have no doubt that this is the right path for you. You are going to be incredible, I am very sad that you will be on the other side of the country mm-hmm. selfishly. Me too. <laughs> I wish that you could stay closer, but it, it's a great move for you. And I'm, I'm so, so, so excited for you. Congratulations. Even though we've only known each other for 24 hours, I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. That means a lot. And I just want to thank you for sharing that experience because I know, like I said at the beginning, it has been a journey for you and as your friend, but also your coworker who sees, you know, all that you have to do during the day too. It's a lot sometimes to even just face the day. And so I greatly appreciate you opening up and sharing about your experiences with all of this. So you've talked a little bit about therapy. I know Nikki has shared, um, and she and I just recently recorded kind of our own journeys with therapy. So we're familiar with one-on-one therapy and what that looks mm. like, but I hear that you've done some group therapy sessions and mm. I would love to know what got you into that idea. What's something you recommend about group therapy? Yes. 
So I do, I participated in something called Family Constellations um, for a, close to a year and a half now. Um, May, last May was the first time I attended. Um, let's see. It's hard to explain. So I have no experience with like traditional group therapy. I know, I don't even know if that's a thing. Like what is traditional group therapy? There's, there's various forms of all therapies. Like I don't, yeah. Um, I don't know necessarily what that maybe look like. Um, but family constellations is, how do I best explain this? It's, it's rooted in like the energy field and it's, it explores your family systems. Um, and it's kind of like based off the idea that you are affected by seven generations behind you and you affect seven generations ahead of you. Um, so So no pressure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's kind of wild. And I mean, I, when I explain to people, like, I don't know, it's, it's hard unless you've been there, but like, it sounds a little bit woo woo. I recognize that. And like, at first I was a little hesitant. I was like, what the heck am I getting into? Like, this is odd. Like, yes. What is the energy field? I don't know any of this, but I think I leaned into the idea that like, I don't have to know if this is like true or real or like, I feel like our brains get so hung up on that. Like, you know, like, is this real? Does this work? What's the energy field? Like, I don't believe in that. Like, it's like, just relax. Like I was like, let myself just experience this for what it is. And like, what does it matter yeah. if this is real or not? You know, like what does real even mean? So, um, once I got past that, I was like this, it's truly my favorite place to be in. It's once a month. Um, when we're in person, it's in a synagogue it has no religious affiliation. It's just like the physical building we use. Um, and now we're virtual right now, but it's, it's incredible. It just allows you to shift your perception of something you're, you're working through. And that in itself is, um, so valuable to me and it can be, so you can kind of bring to the table, it's called doing a constellation. Um, you can do a constellation about anything, Mm. a physical issue. Like I've done my physical health issues, like a family issue, a friend issue, anything, a personal thing. And oftentimes it, it, it relates back to your family and how, the systems like patterns that have been passed down generational trauma. Um, it's just wild to see. And every time it's so accurate. Um, I know that doesn't really explain the actual process of it, but. <laughs> and so I'm going to, I'm going to chime in. Cause I think when you initially shared this with me, you had used the example of a miscarriage. Yes. So different people are playing roles yes. I believe. So what you can use that example sure. or not, but I think that helped me to kind of visualize how you actually work through this process with other yeah. people. Good point. I forgot sometimes when I'm <laughs> explaining things because I know what it's <laughs> like. Um, so yeah, that's a great example. The first time I, um, represented, I was representing a miscarried child. And so, um, yeah, it's certainly a lot. And there's essentially, so there's three ways to participate. You can either just sit there and kind of be there, be a part of the energy field and just be there, observe. The second way is to represent. It's called representing, um, which I was doing when I was representing the miscarried child. And then the third way is to do your own constellation. So when someone goes up to do their constellation, they explain kind of the thing that they want resolution on. And then um, the therapist guiding it will kind of he or she, the person leading it will kind of identify parts of your story that like they want represented. So it could be, again, mm. like I was a miscarried child, but it could be something abstract. It could be like alcohol. It could be support. It could be, um, 
like a physical like, place. A, yeah, a place. It could be a person like your mom or dad or your sister. It could be it could be all different things. Um, and then, so say I was doing the constellation, I would look in around the room and, and just pick people to represent those things. And it's it's so weird because it's not based off physical looks. Like it's truly based off like you just feel it. It's like the energy. I don't know how to explain it, but you just know. Um, and you pick them and, um, or there's like, they can just, if they feel called to it, they can kind of like come into the constellation on their own. There's like various ways to do it, but essentially you kind of place them where you feel right. And then the therapist will kind of lead, lead it from there. So if you're doing the constellation, you kind of just sit back and watch and, um, he'll kind of just check in with everyone and, um, ask how people are feeling and it literally it plays out like real life like mm-hmm. like your real life like people representing those people in your life it mirrors it exactly and it's so so wild um so you, you like if he's just like how are you doing and you might just need to say like my heart is racing or like I have so much energy and I need to jump around like it can be anything and so the only time it doesn't work or it gets messed up is when people filter what they're feeling or what they're you know mm-hmm. want to say um which is pretty wild so um, I don't know if I explained that as well as you're yeah. I would, but so what does that look like or feel like being virtual mm-hmm. since you're talking about this energy field? I, I mm. believe in it. I, I'm, I buy into that idea and I know that when I'm in the presence of certain people, I can feel certain things. I just, I, and the only way I can describe it is the energy that we are each giving off. So how does that feel different? since you yeah. have done it in person and virtually, how does it feel different now that it's only virtual? That's, it was certainly like, Oh, I was skeptical of it the first time. I, I don't think, I don't think I joined the first two months we were virtual um, just due to other conflicts and stuff. But I also was certainly hesitant of it, but I mean, I miss being in person cause I just like miss seeing the people that I've created this community, you know, not that I've created it, but that I've entered into community with. Um, and I like, I miss them and hugging them and seeing them. Um, but Virtually, it's truly, it's so similar, which is odd. Um, I don't know how to explain how it works virtually, like the energy thing you're explaining. Like, you know, you can feel it when you're with someone in person, but how do you feel that over a screen? It's different, but it still works. Um, yeah. For me, it's kind of just like dropping into myself. Like he, uh, Barry, the therapist mm-hmm. who runs the specific one that I go to always, he's also my individual therapist. Um, he kind of you know, starts with a meditation and a check-in. So it kind of just grounds you, gets you into the moment. And I don't know, it's like the energy field is still just so at play. Um, and it, it kind of plays out the same. Sometimes he'll use figurines. Like he has two cameras set up and one has like figurines, like when you represent mm-hmm. people, but oftentimes we don't even mm-hmm. use them. And we kind of just like rename ourselves on the Zoom screen and it kind of just works. That's cool. And I'm glad that. it's been able to continue virtually. Yes. It's how you, it's my favorite. This is just off topic, but I'm curious. Uh, have you ever done a Reiki session? I have not. I've been so interested in doing one, but I have not. I did it. one uh, probably like four or five months ago now um, because I've heard about it. I was interested in it. I definitely buy into like the woo woo of it all. Um, mm. I love that you said it that way because that's definitely how I refer to it. Um, but definitely like a cool. We're all in good company. Yeah, I love that on that front. <laughs> definitely just a cool experience. Um, you know, it focuses around crystals, around sounds that resonate mm. with your chakras. And my Reiki therapist was, you know, trying to identify a like either a blockage or 
um, if one chakra was way too open. So for me at that moment, I had just created a tiny little bit of a conflict at work because I was like, hi, uh, this person is kind of being mean and I'm not going to work with them anymore Mm -hmm. and kind of like blew it up. And for me, she, when she was doing like my chakra reading, she was like, wow, your throat chakra, which is, you know, for communication, that is like way too wide open. And I'm like, oh, interesting you say that because I've been kind of wilding out (laughs) and Mm. like calling a lot of stuff to the carpet. Um, but it was really such a cool experience and definitely like grounding and reflective and just people have all kinds of experiences with it, but it's cool. I am so interested in that. Like the whole chakra and blockage thing. I'm all for Mm -hmm. that. I really appreciate, um, I don't find this often, but one of my friends from home, her mom is, um, just finished her yoga certification and she is just fabulous. And she did a little mini like socially distanced yoga session for us this summer and she started the yoga session and talking about the chakras and like, just, I don't even remember exactly, but going through that and like that, like starting a yoga session like that truly just made me feel so much more into it and grounded. And yeah, I don't know, I'm just a full believer in all of that. So I appreciate whenever mm-hmm. it's like brought into things. But. Yeah, totally. All right. You know what time it is. <laughs> Rapid fire. Quick six. Quick six. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> okay, you you pick. Who do you want to ask the questions first? Oh, that's too much pressure. I don't care. You guys go. <laughs> I'm going to pretend she said Nicole. Okay. And, perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so what is the best book you've read this year? Oh, that's an easy answer because I'm reading it right now. Um, Nikki and I are both reading it. Yes. Um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Wow. I can't say, I know it's supposed to be quick, but I can't say enough good things about it. And it's, you see the cover, it's like a bright pink, rainbow, purpley, flashy, sparkly mm-hmm. cover. And mm-hmm. if you look up the summary, it's, you know, a white woman coming out to her family and community and the world and navigating that. And it's like, it is so much more than that. And it's something that I think every single human, no matter how they identify, should read this book, yeah. especially men. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I cannot say enough good things about it's it. It's incredibly captivating. I can't remember the last time I picked up a book and within two pages knew that I was just hooked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's something I think I, I mean, I always like, Oh, I'll come back to this book. I'll read it again. And like, I mean, I never do that, but this book, I can tell you it will like be my Bible. I think I will probably read mm-hmm. it multiple times a year. Cause it's, it's just, it's just so necessary. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's on my list. It's been on my list um, for a while. And so I Yay. definitely need to sit down and make time. Yeah. Shout out the same raving review. Shout out yeah. to Kate for buying it for me for my birthday. So. Uh, shout out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Second of the quick six. What is one habit you want to get started? Hmm. Good question. Well, I'm going to use an example we kind of already touched on that, like, I'm trying to do, but certainly a work in progress on. Um, it ties in a few things, but the whole, like, saying no to things and then when mm-hmm. I have time to them, saying yes, like, it, it's, I guess, boundary work. Because um, while that's my goal, it's certainly not something I've been doing, like, yeah, making no my default. So making no my default and getting okay with that, I think, is something I want to get way more comfortable with. Um, but to go along with that, just also, like, 
moving my body more lately because it's so important for my physical health, um, but not in the way that like society says, like, go get your exercise. Like I can't really right. do high intensity stuff, but I've noticed I've been slacking on it with the winter cold weather. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really been going on walks as much as I used to and stuff. So I, I want to get back into that habit to make it a habit, no matter what the weather looks like, like just doing something inside yoga or, um, you know, some other low intensity exercise that can, can get me moving mm-hmm. without having to be in the cold. Yeah. Perfect. And what is your favorite thing about yourself? Mm. Hmm. I always want to throw in like Jeopardy music right here. Yep. <laughs> that would be nice to help alleviate the awkward sounds. I would say <laughs> my ability to connect with people. Um, mm. I feel like I've always had this natural inclination to just like get to know people. Like it yeah. could be a stranger and I'm just like, tell me everything about you. Like I'm an open book. So I sometimes expect that of other people when I shouldn't, but regardless, like I'm always just like, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know why you are the way that you are, what your life looks like. Like, just like, I just love learning about people and being in community with them. And I think, I hope that shows um, with other people, but it does. I think that's like my favorite thing about life. And I, I love that about myself. Yeah. I can definitely say and echo Nikki's confirmation that like <laughs> just in this short FaceTime call, I definitely feel like you're someone um, in my circle. You can't say no here because we're recording. So no pressure, but um, definitely like, I just feel like such a connection with you. I love everything you're sharing about the things you're bringing up in the world. I feel like you're such a positive light um, for everyone. And so I'm excited that we had this episode. Thank you. All right, Nick, all you. Okay. The one thing you're looking forward to receiving for Christmas is. Hmm. Um, I asked for a weighted blanket for Christmas for my mm. parents and um, I contributed. So I already know that I'm getting it. I can, <laughs> I can just be transparent here. I contributed to it because it is um, certainly pricey and I understand that. And um, it's, you know, more than what like I would ask them normally, but yeah. Um, I'm very excited for it because I'm very into non-toxic, like clean living just with all my health issues and like mm-hmm. all of that. So that's something super important to me. So um, I wanted a a nice non-toxic weighted blanket. So I'm Love super that. excited for that. That's awesome. Okay. Music or silence? Oh. Whew. Certainly dependent on the context, but... Honestly, oh no, I was going to say silence this year has like, I've, I've allowed myself to sit in silence way more than normal, like more than I've been used to this year, but like, I still love music. So I don't know, but I can tell you that I've been going on walks without headphones and music lately. And it's been fabulous. So Mm. one thing you want to be known for. Mm. Wow. Super easy questions, Nick. I don't know. You know, I just was really feeling... (laughs) Uh, thoughtful, (laughs) thought provoking, (laughs) deep. Hmm. Let me think. And the Christmas one was fun. Oh my gosh. No, it's fun. But equally (laughs) I had a moment. I was like, Ooh, I don't know. (laughs) One thing I want to be known for. Hmm. I think my ability to hold space for people which I'm not always mm. great at, to be honest. Sometimes I, I mean, clearly you can hear after this, I talk a lot 
And <laughs> I need to reel that in sometimes, but sometimes that like overpowers someone else. But I certainly hope that other people feel that and that I can continue to work on holding space for others. Hmm. And like allowing that. people to feel seen and heard when they're in my presence, I guess. I love it. Well, I can attest to that being true about you. I know that as your coworker and your friend, I've greatly appreciated the space that you've created, not only for me, but for, you know, the other folks on our team and especially the students that you supervise and work with. Um, it's no secret that you're always putting them at the forefront of your work. Uh, you're always considering things from their perspective and trying to recognize that, especially in 2020, things look very different for them and trying to just be the absolute best support you can be. Uh, and that's just who you are. So, um, we are very lucky to have had stolen you for this hour. So thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us. Um, we appreciate it. I appreciate you both. I'm so excited to hear the rest of your episodes and all that's coming. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're so glad you joined us this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. It really means a lot. Until next time, remember, we're better together.